Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Do you have any like, youth leaders or ex-youth leaders in the building? Show of hands, give us a wave, a couple. Cool. So God's telling me right now that there's somebody in this area that God wants you to come to youth. So uh, come make sure you come see me afterwards because I feel like God's got a calling for you in your life. We are, we're in Faith, Love, Hope season, uh, first weekend in May. Uh, and it's an incredible season. We just heard some of what, what's going on at City Point churches around the world, from Redcliffe to, to Nashville in, in America. And, you know, City Point churches were a part of this, this massive organization. And I think we have, is it 11 locations now, Australia-wide, 10, 11? There's a lot. Um, and it's something that we do every season is this faith, love, hope, right? It's a church wide thing we do across all our locations. And we had to hear some great stories and, and some testimonies over the next few weeks of what has happened in people's lives through this Faith, Love, Hope season. One of the things that I really like about Faith, Love, Hope is we get to talk about money, right? And I know for me growing up, money was taboo, right? You, you, you didn't talk about money. You didn't ask somebody how much they earned or, or how much their house costs. Or that, that was something you don't do. And, and then that put a mindset of, you know, you don't mention money. You, you don't talk about it. You know, statistically, two of the leading factors of breakdown of marriage and relationships, number one, communication, number two is finance. Talking about money is the leading root of breakdown in relationships. We need to be doing it more as a church. We need to be talking about money. You know, I tell you what, the <laughs> first year I got married was a culture shock. Okay, me and my wife, Jess, very, very different people. See, when I left home at 18 years old, I, I barely worked, okay? I, I, was, I was a bum who just would sit around playing Xbox all day. I worked occasionally, and I tell you what, every time the bills would come in, it was always more than my income, every single time. And I don't know how, God always made a way, but I always survived, once I started working full-time, I thought I was making big money. I was earning $500 a week. I was, <laughs> I wish I was joking. Uh, <laughs> I was an apprentice. Uh, but I tell you what, every single cent of that $500 I spent that week. <laughs> I, was, I was making up for lost time, right? I was going out, going doing things I couldn't do before, buying things that I couldn't buy before. I was balling. My wife, on the other hand, Jess, she was a little bit more sensible. She worked throughout school, and then when she graduated high school, she, went and, she worked multiple jobs at one time and lived by herself. She worked hard. She had a great concept of living within her means. She had this thing called, um, I don't know, I didn't know what it was at the time. I think it's called a savings. <laughs> is that, is that, is that right? So, yeah. Such a weird concept to me. But she was so, so much better with money, right? And then all of a sudden, God puts us together, right? Thank you, Toyin. Exactly. You should laugh. Because it's like putting a square block in a circle hole. It was was just a a weird combination. And our first year of marriage, Jess was working full-time and was studying full-time. Anyone who's done that, that's a big commitment. There's a lot of hours involved in that. Me, I was doing my apprenticeship. I realized I needed to pick up some of the slack around the house, right? Good husband. Tip number one for husbands, pick up the slack around the house. There you go. Um, so I, some of the things I had to do, one of them was I had to do the grocery shopping, right? Every Monday, Jess would give me two things. She'd give me $90 and 
and the grocery list, okay? I know some of you heard this story before, but actually there's some extra parts that I've withheld for a reason. Uh, <laughs> today's my tell-all. <laughs> Jess was so clever that she would actually, and still does to today, it's fantastic. When she writes her shopping list, she would do it in order of what you will see when you walk in the store, right? So we, we would shop at Audi, okay? Any Audi shoppers in the room? Yeah, how good's Audi? I love it. We would go in there, and you walk in the, the, the gates, the, the, and they'd open, you'd go in, and the first thing you get to would be fruit, and then oh, one would be vegetables, and then it'd be meat, and then it'd be milk. So, so our shopping list would look something like, it'd be bananas, apples, carrots, and then it'd go to you know, steaks and mints. It was, it was fantastic. It was so easy for, how old was I, 22 years old, who barely, when I used to go shopping, I used to just go to the specials and throw stuff in the trolley. Jess would actually plan out what we're going to do. It, it was foolproof. It was fantastic. It was perfect. Except for one thing. Anybody who shops at Audi knows about the middle aisles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The dangerous middle aisles. Now, me, as an impulse buyer who just see things and buy things, the middle aisles were dangerous. <laughs> they were dangerous. Jess hadn't thought that part through. You know what I'm talking about? The middle aisles at Audi... There's usually two, maybe three if you're lucky, of these aisles in the middle of the store that have all the incredible bargains and the incredible different things you could buy there. For example, you could buy anything from a, a pineapple M&Ms to a brand new conventional oven. Like, there was, you could buy anything there. I started walking through, and I'm just having to look through this middle aisle, just searching through, nothing there. And, and then what looked like a light from heaven shine down on this item in the middle aisle there. I'm like, what is this? I walked towards it. It was this brand new fishing rod. Now, bit of backstory. I just started fishing, right? And, and this rod wasn't just any rod. This was the top of the line to me, ugly stick fishing rod, the strongest fishing rod known to man. It was fantastic. I had just started fishing at this moment and I wasn't doing really well. I, I wasn't catching many, many fish. But I remember as a child, my dad had one of these fishing rods, and he'd catch fish all the time. So to me, I'm like, this is my problem. I need this rod. That's what I need. Remember, I have $90 to spend on groceries. $90 for a week of groceries. Till next Monday, we only had that money to spend. I look down this fishing rod, I pick it up, and I think, this thing's great. This thing's fantastic. And look at it. Look at the price tag. Guess how much? $90. Exactly. Sign of God, isn't it? Sign from God. So, do you, so, you know, went home, and Jess, Jess comes home, and I'm rigging up my brand new fishing rod in the lounge room, and she goes to me, she kind of looks, she goes, please tell me you didn't spend our $90 on a fishing rod, and I said, because I'm a good husband, I said, okay, I won't tell you, <laughs> and she, she rolls her eyes and sighs, and she goes, that rod better catch a lot of fish because that's all we're eating this week. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that was the last time I did something like that. I'm a bit of a slow learner. There was one time Jess sent me to, to Audi to go get pizzas and drinks because we had some friends coming around, some soft drink, and I think it was like four pizzas, frozen pizzas from Audi. Uh, we had that first photo there we put up on the screen. This is how it went. That says, this is, I posted this on Instagram at the time, it says, I went to buy pizzas and something went wrong. For what you can't see is on the left-hand side, that's a $200 welder. There's an $80 toolbox there as well. 
Four pizzas turn into $300 worth of garage equipment. I posted that on Instagram, and Jess was not all impressed once again. Uh, I like Dusu, one of our youth leaders. She said, though, hey, at least you got the pizzas. I'm like, thank you, Dusu. I need that positivity right now. <laughs> Can I tell you that uh, <laughs> since that moment, I've changed a bit. <laughs> uh, that, that was nearly five years ago. Um, I had to change the way that I viewed money. And I had to change the way that I viewed Audi. You know, now when I go to Audi, it's, you know, I call those middle aisles the valley of the shadow of death. And I, as I'm like, I will fear no evil because the Lord is with me. So I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Because <laughs> you know what? If I didn't change, I'm pretty sure Jess would have murdered me or, or left me by now. So I had to change the way that I viewed money. You know, over this faith, love, hope season, we're going to be talking a lot about money and specifically around giving and, and generosity. See, generosity is actually a character of God. You look at who God is, He's a generous God. You look at probably the most famous Bible verse in history, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave, that God gave. So whoever believes in Him shall not perish. He didn't give for His own sake. He didn't give so He could expand. He gave for us. Generosity and giving is a key value and a key characteristic of who God is and who He's called us to be. You know, for the next, what have we got, three and a half hours, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be talking around this passage of Scripture. I thought you guys would be excited. Okay, we'll go. Uh, we're going to be talking about this passage of Scripture in the book of Malachi. If you've got your Bibles with you, open up to Malachi 3, or turn your Bibles on. Um, if you don't know the book of Malachi, it's a very short book at the end. It's the last book in the Old Testament, just before you get to the New Testament. And Malachi was the last prophet of Israel before the coming of Jesus. He was about four to 500 years, some of the scholars will argue, before Jesus came to earth. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that constantly the Israelites were falling out of grace of God. And this is, this is no exception here. Malachi came to them and said, hey, you guys are doing it all wrong. You know, you, you keep walking away from God. I'm here to try and redirect your thinking, redirect the way you live to get back into favor with God. In chapter 3, he begins to talk about giving and giving into the kingdom, giving into the house of God. He says this in verse 10. He goes, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be enough to receive it. For me, this is a, a, such a powerful scripture, a powerful passage, right? I, I love the, how it goes, especially, you know, bringing the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food. And now try me in this. Try me in this. You know, some translations will say, test me. Test God with this. You know, this is the only time in the Bible where God says, it's okay to test me. You know, in Deuteronomy 6, he specifically says, do not test the Lord your God. We see Jesus say this when he's tempted by, by Satan. In Matthew 3, he goes, thou shalt not test the Lord their God. But right here in Malachi, he's saying, look, test God. Test him. Try him out. Try him with your money. Try him with your finance. Try him with your giving. Test me in this, says God. It's a powerful thing. Pastor Dave has an amazing saying, and it stuck with me, that you can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. And, and this is telling us why right here. 
that when you pour into him, read this, if, uh, uh, test me in this, if I will not open for you the windows of the heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That's the basis for, for the belief of you cannot give, outgive God. You know, as I said, this faith, love, hope season is really cool. We get to hear a bunch of stories and testimonies from previous faith, love, hope seasons. And I want to share a couple with you now. Uh, the first one is of a friend of ours, or a couple, who um, were buying their first house. Yeah, that's good. And they had saved their deposit. And, and anyone knows, it was, I think it was 2021, they were starting to look for property. Anybody in the house market will know that at the moment, if you're trying to look for a house, it is difficult. It, the market is competitive. It is tough. There's a lot of people going, even for rentals. It, it, it's a terrible time to be looking for a property. And here they are in the middle of this, this frenzy for real estate, looking for a property. They were looking for well over 12 months. And it got to the faith, hope, hope season. And, and they felt that God said to them, hey, I want you to give your deposit to Faith, Love, Hope this year. Boof, big ask. I want you to give your deposit. That's anyone who saved a deposit. No, that, that, that's, that, that takes a while. There's, there's, there's blood, sweat and tears sewed into that deposit. But you know what? They know the God that they serve. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. See, our friends, they understood this. They knew the God they served, and they know that he who sows generously will reap generously. They did it. They, they, they gave their entire deposit to Faith of Hope that year. They deposited it in there. And, and, and a few months later, they saved a little bit more money, and they had some friends, uh, some family members help with some little bit of money too. And they went and, they went and put an offer on, on another property. And the craziest thing happened, right? They, they were there, and the seller came to them. And he said, um, hey, thanks for your offer, uh, but your offer's probably about $40,000 less than my top offer that I've had so far. And, you know, my friends, of course, they'll be like, oh, okay, here we go again. But he said, but God told me to accept your offer. But God said to accept yours, so that's what I'm going to do. $40,000 less. Church, that's what happens when the windows of heavens are opened up and the blessing is poured out. I know for, for me and my wife, I know we had issues getting into the homeowner market as well. For those who don't know, we bought a property, bit of land back in September 2020, and we were stoked. You know, we, me and Jess, actually, we designed, we're going to build a house on there. We designed the whole thing ourselves. We actually got some pen and paper, drew it up. Uh, we, got, we got our engineers to, to do those drawings. You got those drawings up there as well, please? Here's our house. How cool is that? Designed the whole thing. Uh, it was so much fun. It was going to be massive. It was going to be beautiful. We had it perfect for everything we wanted. Look at that next one as well. Look at that. Stellar house. Fantastic. We paid our building deposit. We, we got everything sorted. And then our builder calls us. I think it was three days before we were starting building. And he goes, uh, hey, uh, I just want to let you guys know we went to go to the council. And they told us that there is a mine shaft entrance on the property and that we cannot get a building approval to build your house. Kicking the guts <laughs> straight away. Now, me and Jess had sowed into that land. We had, we had, we had obviously purchased it. We, we got everything ready to go, and we're unable to build. 
for the next two years, me and especially Jess, Jess worked incredibly hard. We looked at every different avenue we could on how can we resolve this problem? How can we fix the issue that we have here right now? And we went to the council. We said, hey, can we fill the hole up? And they're like, oh, we don't know where it is. It's going to cost you upwards of 120 grand to try and fix the problem, which we definitely didn't have. Like, okay, maybe we could, we could subdivide the block and just build on part of it and the council wouldn't approve it. We, we tried, like, countless. We looked at every single avenue we could. We knocked on every single door possible and there was no possible outcome. It come, again, to Faith, Love, Hope season. This is last year. And, again, Jess and I, we, had, we were, it was like nearly out of options. Like, okay, I know the God we serve. I know Faith, Love, Hope's coming up. I'm going to sow into this. I'm going to believe. We're going to stand in faith and see that God's going to make something happen here. So we gave last year Faith, Love, Hope right here. We're going to have these crosses out later where you, you put your uh, prayer request up on there and we stand and agree with that. And, and we did that and then I would have been a month or two later, a neighbor of the property rings us out of the blue and says, hey, are you guys interested in selling the land? And this is a neighbor who, who full well knew everything wrong with the property, right? Knew that we couldn't build on it, but he reckons he could try something with it. And a week goes by, we're talking, we're discussing. Can I tell you, nearly a week and a half later, we agreed on the price and we sold that block of land for the exact same price we bought for it. The hand of God. What that also did for us then, for me and Jess, it opened up the door for us to actually go in and purchase their own house. So we started looking around. We started, we went, one Saturday, we went and just started looking at houses, and I think we did like six or seven inspections on the first day, and all of them sucked. <laughs> um, it was like, oh, great. Um, but then Jess found one online, and she went on to message the real estate agent and said, hey, can we come have a look? And this is on the Saturday night. He's like, hey, if you want to come Sunday morning, we can do that. And I said, obviously, we've you know, got to do it before church. So that's what we did. We woke up early, went to this house, had a look at it. We looked at it and we loved it. It was fantastic. It was in our price range. It was what we wanted. So we put an offer there and then on that day. And went to real estate, said, hey, this is what we want to pay. We're going to, you know, we had to go straight to church. So you talk to the clients. By the time that church finished that Sunday morning, our offer had been accepted. And we're moving in a month later. Now, between those two stories, us and our friends both were able to receive an amazing home through the, the giving and the faith held in faith, love, hope time, right? Yeah. We're outworked in completely two different ways, but God still moved powerfully in both those scenarios. Bring the tithe into the storehouse and see the heavens open up. This faith, love, hope... Would you test God on that? He's calling you out right here. Like, I love this. This is, like, you want me to test you? I'll test you right now. Let's go. Like, God's saying, test me in this. Test me in this. Come on, do it. He's, he's nearly egging you on. You want to see this happen? Test him in this. This faith of hope, let that be a season where you're ready to God. All right, let's go. I, I haven't tried something like this before. Let's do it. Test him in this. You can never outgive God. I love that. Malachi 3, verse 11, after talking straight off the back of, of verse 10, Malachi says this, well, writes it. 
He goes, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in your field. You know, in church, when we hear about generosity and we hear about giving, we, we often and we all, most of the time will attach that to the blessing that comes from that. But did you know that your giving can also protect your seed? That your giving, what you give and what you sow, can also protect the blessing that's coming. Me and Jess, we go to, Jess and I, sorry. Uh, she get upset. She get upset if I use the wrong grammar. So, uh, Jess and I, we go to Bundaberg basically once a month at least. Uh, we go racing up there, and when we're driving up to Bundaberg, you know where Bundaberg is? About four and a half, five hours north of here. Um, and, and there's farmland everywhere, and they mostly the, the farmlands that we see are sugarcane. Um, and as we're driving through, there's there's one particular farm that sits on a hill, on one of the back roads as we're heading towards the track, and I noticed when we started going up there that there's these plants that were planted on the outside of the property around the sugarcane. And then as we kept going up over the, the months and the years, the, this, this plant began to grow and I found it was bamboo. We're watching them thinking, why is he planting bamboo around his harvest? Why, why, what's, what's... And then I remember in Victoria, they did the same thing. They actually plant these plants and what it is designed to do, it's designed to block the wind and the weather from damaging the crop. And, and, and I was thinking about, like, that's just incredible. Like, this farmer has planted this seed, has planted this bamboo and sowed it into the ground, knowing that he's not going to get any benefit from it, for, from that individual plant, right? That bamboo is not going to make him any money. That bamboo is not going to help him do anything but protect his crop. The bamboo was planted specifically just to protect the sugar cane to make sure the devourer could not attack it. Did you know that your giving can protect your blessing, can protect your seed? For me, giving, it's, uh, it's when the physical and the natural meets the spiritual supernatural. When we give our seed into God, when we give that seed to the, the, the church, God is able to do abundantly more than we could ever do with that particular seed. That's what giving is to me. And can I be honest, the church needs that. The church needs that seed for, so we're able to continue to grow, so we're able to continue to expand, increase our influence and increase our outreach. You know, just down the road here, we have a City Point Marketplace, right? That marketplace, is, it's a, if you don't know, it's a... Uh, a cheap grocery, cheap supermarket, and op shop that we run, that started off the back of people and is still supported by giving of City Point Church here. Yeah. Yeah. It's grown from that. It's now a massive organization. People like Jessica and Kylie and Kimmy and their incredible team are able to go there and influence our community for good yeah. and for God. Yeah. And church, that can't happen without generous giving from this church. It cannot happen. I mean... I look at our, our youth ministry, right? This time last year, we had two kids in our youth ministry on a Friday night. And they were, they were actually a family of our youth leaders, so that didn't really count. <laughs> and we looked, at, we looked at what we need to do. And myself and the team and, and J-Mac and we all, so we need to fix that area up out there. If you haven't been out there, it's a work in progress. But it's, we, we, we decided we need to make a place for kids to come. I tell you, that costs money. <laughs> like, 
We, had, we built the soccer goals, we built the basketball goals, we ripped the floor, we, we, you know, we worked through all this stuff, and all that cost money. Now, we look at where youth is. We have 45 kids on a Friday night, continually. <laughs> Consistently for the last 12 weeks of youth, we've had 45 kids in that room, kids coming off the street, community kids, church kids, coming in there, learning about Jesus, building a relationship with Jesus. We had on one night 17 kids give their life for Christ right here in this room. And I tell you right now, without that generosity, we couldn't do that. You know, our youth, we, we're actually, we have our three values of, of our youth ministry, right? And when I talk to the leaders, this is the three things that we want to bestow in the ministry and bestow on our kids, right? Number one is, when kids come into that room, then when they come into this building, we want to make sure that they feel safe. And can I tell you that feeling safe and being safe is, is two different things? Because most of the times, kids are safe, but maybe they don't feel safe. So when they come in here, we want to make sure that they're comfortable, that they feel safe, they feel like this is the place for them to come. Number two is we want kids to have fun, okay? That, that's the reason we build the soccer goals and the basketball hoops and put an Xbox in there, because we want kids wanting to come to youth. We want them to come hang out and be a part of this. Because number three, and this is most important, we need these kids to learn about Jesus. We need them to know that there is a God who loves them, that sent their son to die for them so they can be in relationship with him. Can I tell you something more? If that wasn't the case, if, if point three wasn't on our list of values, I wouldn't be here for that. I'm not a PCYC. There's programs throughout Anala and throughout Western Brisbane that's designed to do that, just to look after kids. I'm not here to hang out with stinking teenagers just to play football. We're here to influence the world for good and for God. That's our youth ministry. As Pastor Tim said, our youth right now, we have our youth church up at the green room, which you don't know where that is. That's the floor at the top of the stairs. There's a, there's a room up there and our kids, we, we've crammed them in there. <laughs> Have you ever seen a video of like uh, peak hour traffic in a train station in Tokyo? Where the, you know, there's, a, there's a guy just like kicking people in and then closing the door. Like, I think if we fit any more kids in there, that the wall's going to burst open. Like, it, is, it is packed. It is, we are, we're over capacity right now. For us to continue to influence young people, to, to share Jesus, to, to let them grow into who God's called them to be, that needs to grow so we can grow. And as Pastor Tim and Pastor Wendy said, this, this Faith, Love, Hope season, that is, we have two projects. Number one is we're going to increase the size of that room. We're going to grow that to allow us to continue to grow, to allow us to continue to develop young people, to continue to grow them into who God has called them, who God wants them to be in their relationship with Jesus in, in a designated youth area. This service is fantastic as well. We love this. But for young people, we want to make sure that we're speaking direct language to them so they can be influenced. That's what we do up there. Again, we have breakfast, we have fun, but Jesus is the core of everything that we do. Everything we do. And right now, it's shoulder to shoulder up there. We are. It's passing, they're on the floor, they're on the, on the top of the couches, on the benches, they're on the roof, they're everywhere. We need room to grow. And that's what Faith of Hope, one of the things Faith of Hope is going to this season. The second thing that, um, the second project we're going to achieve through Faith of Hope this year is, Pastor Tim said, we're going to double that Tamil room. 
Um, I think we're going to run it all the way to the back wall here, which is going to be fantastic. We're going to build a stage like this, a platform, so we can have the, the preaching and the worship leaders up here for the Tamil. And as Pastor Tim said, that they have grown exponentially as well. This word of expansion is just keep ringing. Every, every conversation I'm having with pastors around Australia and around, obviously, all the City Point locations, expansion is coming. And I'll tell you what, we need to be ready for that. We need to be ready. I got a word from God a couple of months ago, and in the middle of worship, God spoke to me and he said, for the first time, he actually showed me a picture first, and it was a picture of City Point West from the outside. And it was complete darkness, but there was a light from the sky coming down and shining right on the roof of City Point West. And as I watched it begin to grow and expand, and like a radius around City Point West, just grew bigger and bigger, and this light expanded across the streets and the suburbs here. And, and then God spoke to me and he said, Braden, revival is coming. And he goes, we need to be ready. And, and I've heard this before. I've heard people talk about this a little bit about, yeah, revival, revival, it's coming, it's going great. I'm like, yeah, that's fantastic. And maybe you're like that right now and I understand where you're sitting. But I know that God spoke to me about this. And ever since that moment, he said, we need to be ready. I've been working I've been working on myself, I've been growing in my relationship with God, my knowledge of who He is, of His love, and that's, that's crucial, spiritual growth, and that is ready for that, for that revival that is coming here to the western parts of Brisbane, but we need to be ready in the physical as well, in the practical outworking of it is, if I bring 200 teenagers into that room, it's not going to go well, <laughs> it's not possible, we need to expand we need to be ready for this, what is coming here at the City Point Church. <laughs> I just think about that, the revival that is going to come. I think about there's thousands of teenagers within our reach right here in Western Brisbane. I can't read that. I don't know if I'm over time. I'm just going to keep talking. I said three and a half hours, so if I go short, I've done good. There's thousands upon thousands of teenagers who don't know Jesus. My heart is for those ones, for those ones that aren't here in the church yet. It's God's heart that none shall perish, that none shall perish. If revival's coming, we need to be ready for that. Preparing ourselves spiritually, we need to prepare this building practically as well. We need to grow, we need to expand. God calls us exceedingly abundantly more what is the time oh yeah in a couple of weeks we're taking up our faith love hope offering um and it's a, again it's an incredible time where we're able to sow that seed and right now if you haven't been here for a faith love hope season i want to encourage you to start meditating on that in your prayer life in, your, in your, your quiet time with God, start, start asking the questions, God, what is it that you want me to give? What is it that you're called for me to give in this time? What, and, and in that too, for, for, for families, for couples, do that together. There's such a powerful thing of standing in agreement and faith with your spouse. Say, what, what are we doing? What, what's God speaking to you? God's telling me this. What, what is God saying to you with this faith, love, hope? There's so much power when you're able to stand together in that. 
and join in that faith. I know that's something, that, that's something so powerful that, that me and Jess do every single year for Faith of Hope. I said, we've heard the testimonies that have... That's right, Jess and I, sorry. <laughs> I know it's something powerful that, that we've done and, and you, we've heard the testimonies that have come from it. I know there's going to be more that we're going to be played in the next few weeks. So as you, as you come forward in that moment in the next couple of weeks, make sure you're preparing yourself for that moment. Make sure you're ready for that. I don't know what time it is, but I'm seeing red, so I'm going to quickly. Um, <laughs> I'm going to wrap up the service really quick. And we're going to come about our moment of generosity. And, and if you're visiting with us today, or, or if you are new, we, I want to let you know there is no obligation to give right here. Right? This, isn't a, this isn't a forced thing. It's not the aim to pay for your ticket to come in. That's not what we're about. I want to leave this with you. This is a scripture that Paul wrote. In 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 8 to 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for a chance to hear about the blessing coming from you, God. Right now, as we go through this week, as we move forward in the next couple of weeks through Faith, Love, Hope season, I pray you begin to speak to us. Begin to reveal to us what it is you want us to give, God. And God, continue to sow that vision of expansion, of expansion, Expansion in our own lives, God. As we sow generously, we reap generously. As this church, as we stand here at City Point West, we continue to see the expansion. We continue to hold the faith of that. To see young people coming to Christ. To see families coming to Christ. To see the amount of influence you have in this area, God. We continue to see it expanding through the generosity of this church. So God, speak to us over the next couple of weeks. Share with us those moments. God, we give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.